When's the last time you drank so much that you were wobbly like a Brady there? Five years ago. Five years ago? One of the guys who's a regular down at the barn, it was his birthday, so we got a cake. So I may or may not have been cutting slices of cake while under a certain state of impairment. <laughs> that cake would not have been balanced on my right hand. It would not have lasted long. The, 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 I would have had a better chance going eight seconds on a wild oh. bull well, if than I holding was, the cake. Yeah, I mean, well, and if I was sitting there behind you, I mean, that cake would have been in your face. Forget it. If you were wobbly like that and all of that, I just smashed it right in your face, and who knows what I would have. I'd have been shaking you around and having lots of fun if you were wobbly like that. It would have been great. That, that clip reminded me that on your last day before your week off, you did have jaundice. I hope you've, you've recovered from your jaundice. I know. I did you have jaundice. bad yeah. that day. I know. I don't know what was going on. There were <laughs> a few camera issues. Yes, I did have it. <laughs> uh, all right. That was fun. And, and I can report that the five-year streak is now five years and two weeks. It's just, it's just not. It's just it's moderation. That's all I'll say. Everything in moderation, there's nothing to be gained by being. Uh, I guess if you win a Super Bowl, you can get. Oh a, you well, know, that you pass. mean? You, I feel like that's a green light. You're supposed to. How could you not? I mean, that's part but of winning the I'd, Super Bowl. I'd, I'd love to know how much he had, though, because right. if you never drink, all it takes is a sip, and you, you know you're about ready to to fall over. So well, it may you have would, just been. It may have been a shot glass full of beer that got him to that point. Well, you would think between, uh, you know, a few drinks that Florida sun, and then you're out on a boat wobbling on water a little bit, that would probably increase, you know, your your, your legs being a little shaky to, to go along yeah. with it. Yeah. And, and he clearly was having a good time, though. That's the best part of it. Yeah, you get it was cool to see. Super Bowl, go have a good time. Right. All right, we're going to have a good time now trying to figure out what's up with the AFC West as the 2020 offseason reaches full bloom. Let's begin with the team from the West that made it back to the Super Bowl for the second straight year, but this time around did not win it. And the real question is, how much will that hang over the 2021 Chiefs? Will it be a motivating factor? Is it a humbling factor? Do they you know, go back to the lab? Do you question everything that you're doing? I think all the above is possible as well. It does motivate you, but it does get you to take a step back and say, we got a little too complacent. Are there things we need to address how do we avoid the outcome that we just experienced two and a half weeks ago? No question. I mean, they certainly got to tinker with the formula a little bit. They got exposed with what we saw in the Super Bowl again. Now, you know, I don't know if I want to say it exposed, but certainly, you know, an element of versatility within their offense needs to be added. And we've talked about this a lot. You know, first off, we, I think we were both shocked by the plan of attack that Kansas City Chase had against Tampa Bay. There was no plan B, and it seemed like they played a game that they totally expected to be played like it was in Week 12, which is going to be a lot of you know defensive looks that were going to let Mahomes throw bombs down the field. Those are the plays they called in the Super Bowl. Make no sense, especially with a, a, a less-than-average offensive line. But at, at, like just to start the conversation off, I do think, hey, listen, they're going to play through their offense. We know that. That's not going to change. They're going all in on offense. But – they got to make a, a decision about how they want to play offense. They do. They can't continue just to go shotgun and we're going to let Mahomes float around and make unbelievable plays. Listen, they almost lost the Super Bowl before this because it was a little like that. I mean, it was 20 to 10 with six minutes left. Now, they lost this one in a bad fashion, and I do think that's a little bit because 
there's got to be another element that they bring. And whether that's we want to talk or, or strengthen our offensive line and be maybe a little more balanced and then maybe use the play-action pass from underneath center to let Mahomes throw deep passes or something like that. Or the other avenue I would say, Mike, is they got to get a route runner on their team. That would be the other thing I would say. They need a Julian Edelman type. Okay, there goes McCole Hardman. There goes you know Tyree Kill. They need a guy that can go underneath and work people to death, linebackers, safeties. Isn't that Kelsey, though? It is Kelsey, but you need more. You need more than just one guy to do that, especially if your team is going to be based around the offense and that's going to be all about that pressure because – if they take Kelsey away, okay, you're going to be able to play certain defenses and teams and schemes. They're going to go, okay, we, we got enough players here to kind of play zone. Our linebacker's pretty good, like Tampa Bay, and we'll make life hard on you. But if they have another guy underneath that element, along with more offensive plays like that, I just think that, you know, they got to make a decision on how they want to approach the offensive side of the ball. That would be one of the first things I would say with Kansas City. Well, and, and- – We've we've seen Andy Reid as a head coach in the NFL long enough to know that the run game is not going to be used excessively by him. Right. You throw in the fact that you've got one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the game, it's tempting to let him go do his thing. But we've seen the effort to try to bump up the running game. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and right out of the gates last year, week one against the Texans Thursday Night Football on NBC, he had over 100 rushing yards. They just don't stick with it. You know, they wanted Adrian Peterson after he was cut by Washington. Peterson wanted to sign right away for week one. The Chiefs wanted to wait until after that Thursday game, so Peterson said no to the Chiefs. It seems like they're trying. Le'Veon Bell, even though he's more of a dual-threat guy, they're trying to beef up the running game. They just don't commit to it. And, you know, this reminds me of what happened with the Steelers and the explanations that were provided by people like Jerome Bettis. He was speaking to Ed Bouchette of The Athletic during the season, and he said, look, the commitment to the run isn't something that just pops up out of the blue. Right. It's baked into the team from training camp onward. No you don't just all of a sudden right. say, we're going to run the ball more. It's an attitude of the offensive lineman. Think about it. It's two very different jobs, pass blocking and run blocking. It is. It's two mentalities. It's attack versus defend. When you're pass blocking, you're keeping the attackers from getting to the quarterback. When you're run blocking, you're trying to put guys on their ass. It's two different mindsets. They have to decide early on what they're going to be. And once you make that choice in July and August, it's impossible to change it. No, exactly right. And, you know, first off, I'll, I'll piggyback off what you said. I, I You know, you're, you're right. Andy Reid, I don't think it's in his DNA to be balanced and do that. I don't think that's really – you know, uh, realistic to think at this point. I don't think he's going to change. At least I don't expect him to. Uh, but but it, it is. Jerome Bettis is exactly right. We said that about Pittsburgh at the end of the year, too. Like, you can't just go, okay, now we're going to run the football. That's not going to work. There's no way. Now, I, I think that within the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire thing, and this is where, okay, we got a running back like that. You got Travis Kelsey, as you mentioned. You know, to me, the element they need to get in, they need to go watch Sean Payton and how they get the ball to Alvin Kamara out of the backfield in the pass game. Again, that will add to that short passing game. All the ways Brady, you know, and James White and Deion Lewis used to carve everybody up in the short passing game that way too. There has to be that part of their offense that has to grow and expand in a big-time way because I just – You can't just think you're going to just keep dialing up, hey, we're going to throw the ball down the field and bombs away and do that against the elite 
teams in football every week in the playoffs. And we've seen, too, just to add to that fact, as awesome as Mahomes is, you know, in playoff football, he, he hasn't thrown a, a bunch of 300-yard games and things like that. And I think that's, of course, because you're playing defenses, how, hey, we're smart, we're in the playoffs, we know how you play, and they can take away so many of those elements of that deep passing game. And that's, to me, where, you know, one of the first things they got to figure out, you know, a, a, like I said, a guy that can really work underneath with Kelsey, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and then you got Hardman and, Hardman and Tyree Kill on the outside to scare people to death down the field. Put the graphic back up, please, to the receiving leaders. It is too skewed toward Kelsey and Hill. Yes. We got to see more production out of the back end. Yes. Whether it's Hardman, if Sammy Watkins stays, and who knows at this point, I think it's up in the air, but I don't know that there's going to be a big contract out there for him with another team. Demarcus Robinson, whoever else it is, Byron Pringle's a guy that flashes from time to time, but it can't just be Kelsey and Hill. It can't be. Because if one of those guys gets hurt, you're screwed. Right. And if, like we saw in the Super Bowl, where you play certain defenses, Tyree Kill becomes like a non-factor you know, factor in the football game. And then it just becomes, whoa, I mean, I hope Kelsey can get open all game long against Devin White and Levante David and do that. And I think it's just too much to ask there. It really is. You're right. There's got to be more spread wealth, you know. And, and that's, you know, again, I think you look at a lot of the, the really great offenses through time, you know, and I just right away go to Peyton Manning and the Colts and Brady. They made you think about more than two guys in their attack. Now, they might not have had all household names, but, oh, you know, you're taking away Edelman and Gronk? Okay, well, we got Amendola and James White. You're not going to just get off the hook. We're not going to be like, oh, you took away Edelman and Gronk. We're screwed. The game's over. No, they had a part of their offense to go, okay, here goes plan B and plan C. Unlock these guys, and we're going to run these plays for them. That, to me, is one of the biggest elements that misses from their, missing from their offense, and uh, I certainly you know, would like to see grown because they are going to play through their offense. We know that. You make a great point there, and I'm looking at the stats now from the greatest show-offs on turf in 1999. I mean, you had Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, Bruce Torrey Holt, right. Ozzie Akeem. Akeem. Right. There, there, was, there was just and – you, you you and, and, and you need more than two, yes. bottom line. Right. And, and with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, it shouldn't be that hard to cultivate more than two. And maybe he does lean a little bit too much, and maybe the, the play callers are leaning a little – too much toward getting the ball to Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, but but they do need to diversify and they do need to find a way to run the ball more effectively. Maybe that needs to be the priority. They perfected the passing game. Yeah, going to training camp with this renewed attitude of we're gonna we're gonna run block and we're gonna we're gonna go hard and we're gonna commit to running the ball and maybe we don't need to average thirty six points per game. Uh, maybe maybe we can be as effective. With fewer points, but you know, holding the ball a little bit longer, keeping the other offense off the field, because so many teams now are trying to outscore the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I, I hey, their formula has delivered two straight Super Bowl appearances. That's right. But I, I think they'd prefer two straight Super Bowl wins. The question is, what do they have to do to regroup and get over the hump the next time that they're in a Super Bowl, which could be as soon as this year? And and I think it's fair to say you've got to do more offensively and if you can run the ball more that would be great and also they need to use some of that cap space to have better backups you can't have your two top tackles go down well, and, and have line, guys right. who 
who step in who yeah. who aren't good enough. You need veterans, and this may be the year to do it. If veterans are available, if they get cut by their teams or they don't get signed up in free agency, you, you do a one-year deal with some of these better players who come in and provide that support in the event that there are injuries again down the street. I think that would be, if you ask me, number two thing. It'd be, it would be what you just said there. I think you're spot on. It would be, okay, offensive line has got to improve a little bit. And, and even despite the injuries. Listen, I know Mitchell Schwartz back. He's one of the best right tackles in football. Fisher at left tackle, really damn good. Those middle three, though, I mean, even when healthy, it, it's, it's not a special group. You know, uh, Duvernay Tardif, maybe he comes back, hopefully. That'll certainly help them. Um, but I do think if you're going to play the style of football, whether what either one we're talking about, we're going to run the ball more like you're talking about, or we're going to grow the passing offense and be more effective that way, then th that certainly has to be looked at about that interior three. I mean, they, they got dominated up there so much throughout the year and we we just kind of go eh, eh not a big deal because 15 is magical and there's just so many games during the year like we talked about Mike where we would be here on a Tuesday and a Wednesday and you'd go you know you watch the film what do you think and I'd go I, I just can't believe how much pressure Mahomes was under. I, watching the game on Sunday, I didn't really realize it because he always makes a play and throws a 15-yard laser, and we just move on. But constantly under duress, and that has to change too if you want to play that style of football that they're playing. Yeah, it, there's, a, there's a temptation to just rely on Patrick Mahomes to, to save your butt every week because he has, in a relatively short period of time, a long resume of saving the Chiefs' butts by finding ways to make things Amazing. happen to the point where that becomes your crutch. That becomes your your play in Madden that you always use that always works. And in real-world NFL, it's just let Patrick Mahomes figure something out. And, and uh, that works until it doesn't. And it didn't on Super Bowl Sunday against the Buccaneers. Right. And you need a little bit more. Than you, you know that Mahomes when you rely on him to get it done, is going to get it done. That just can't be the plan week in and week out, yeah. drive in and drive out. You need to have more than that. It can't be Mahomes run around until Kelsey or Hill get open, and if all else fails, run the ball to daylight. Right. There's got to be more than that. Yeah, they got to help him. Right. I mean, he, he's as gifted as we've ever seen, right? I mean, there's no doubt about that. He's got a chance to be the greatest player I've ever seen in my life at the quarterback. He really is. But it, he's not going to just overcome the great defenses in football by himself all the time. That is not possible. It, it really isn't. So that has to be talked about. And then, hey, you want to hit their defense real quick? I mean, just as we get into this, because I know we're going to talk about the Raiders too. The yeah. yeah. The, the defense, you know, and here's free agents. I would be shocked if Sammy Watkins is back unless he takes a really, really team-friendly deal. You know, Demarcus Robinson, I don't know where that goes either. I don't think he really fits the mold. I, you know, he's 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 not an underneath route runner, anything like that. So I don't know where that goes. But, you know, you see Brashad Breeland, free agent. Hey, he's a pretty good player. I'm not saying he's a shutdown island corner, but he is a good player. Other than that, you know, Sorensen's done a lot of good jobs for them. I'll be interested to see what they offer and try to get them back. They're key parts. But I think the rest of those guys on that list, I don't think the Kansas City's going to bend over backwards trying to get deals done with, you know, the majority of these guys we see here on this graphic. Uh, they got to improve their secondary a little bit. Certainly at the corner position, they could probably maybe help out a little bit. But, man, I, they're an offensive football team. Spags does a great job of what he has and he covers up some of the deficiencies he has on the defensive side of the ball 
with his great coaching, I think. And and these elite teams, this is a great opportunity to go out and buy veterans who will be available as they're cut by other teams and as they don't get big deals elsewhere. That's when, as things settle, the, the, the great teams that can offer a chance at a Super Bowl championship, that's the difference. That's the factor that gets some of these guys to come in on one-year deals and you put together a little mini super team to try to get back to the Super Bowl for a third straight Pass time. Pass rusher too, Let's, Mike. I'll say that too. That's probably well, it, absolutely, you know, yeah, absolutely. No yeah. And and uh, we, we saw we saw the value of having two guys who can get around the edge in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what they were able to do with Shaq Barrett and JPP. Right. Yeah, they got Frank Clark. They've got Chris Jones disrupting up the middle. Get a guy on the other edge, and that defense becomes a lot better. No doubt. Right? The Raiders haven't been to the Super Bowl since 2002. That was the last year the Buccaneers won it before this year. Here is John Gruden complaining about the failures of his defense to step up when the games matter the most. We've got to play better. Uh, complimentary football. Our defense has got to get some critical stops at the end of the game. Uh, Mahomes beat us at the buzzer in Vegas. Uh, the Dolphins beat us at the buzzer. And uh, Justin Herbert and the Chargers beat us at the buzzer. We've got to improve our fourth quarter pass rush. we got to finish games with our defense and preserve a lead. That's something we're going to continue to work on. I'm telling you, I'm sick of these Zoom meetings, I'll tell you that. I, you, know, you want to grab some of these Raider fans and uh, um, you want them in that Allegiant Stadium. We missed them. You know, don't tell me their presence would, would have mattered in the fourth quarter against Miami or the Chargers or the Chiefs. Uh, we need that noise. We need that energy. Our players feed off it. I feed off it. Stay with us and uh, I appreciate your criticism. And uh, can't wait to get out in the community and see all you guys again soon. Let's beat this virus. Sure, sure. Yeah, sure. He appreciates the criticism. I, you know, I think when you see Gruden with that raised eyebrow constantly, I really do think he is the one kid whose mother said your face is going to freeze that way one of these days. And it did <laughs> like that. It's a pretty, it's pretty amazing. He can do it. I mean, you know, it's, it's part of him uh, that when I think of John Gruden, I think of him, you know, in the quarterback room, teaching us offense and making, you know, oddly enough, he was the first snarky guy I ever worked with. All right. Or, you know, in snarky comments, snarky comments, there was no paste and copy, but a snarky comment and that eyebrow certainly will always be etched in my brain forever. Certainly. But, but, but his, his point is real. I mean, the Raiders, it is all defense. Holy crap, Bola, Batman. I mean, there's nothing on their front seven. It's got to start there to what he is talking about a little bit. They get nothing out of their pass rush, really. Max Crosby is their best pass rusher. He's he's real good. He's not great or anything like that. I'm not going to put him in superstardom, but there's no you know disruptor, difference maker in the whole front seven. There's none of that. And then in the back end, there's a little talent, but they're young and undisciplined and a little crazy that way, too. So that doesn't work well. Okay, young and undisciplined in the back end, and nobody does anything to make a play in the front end. I could tell you you're going to be one of the, the, the bottom five defenses in football if that's your formula. I don't care what team you are. And that's where they got to adjust. And, of course, there that graphic kind of uh, proves the point. How much of it's personnel? How much of it's coaching, though? Paul Gunther got thrown under the bus 
by John Gruden during the season sure. because the defense wasn't good enough. If you're not committing the resources to the defense in a smart way, yes. and let's face it, John Gruden's in charge of that franchise. John Gruden's an offensive guy. Yeah, right. He's going to skew toward boosting the offense. It All roads lead back to the guy who's in charge of the team, and it's Gruden. Either he hired the wrong defensive staff or he didn't put enough money into the right people to come in and play defense, but it's on him. And this is one of the problems when a guy who's an offense only guru ends up in charge of a full team. Well, yes, you know, but that's, that's status quo for a lot of those type of coaches. Usually you see defensive coaches. They try to go in all in on defense because that's how they got the job and they want to make sure, Hey, the fan base, they expect defense. I got that same with the offense, but a lot of those guys don't run the team. So that's the difference. I, I got you. You're exactly right. You know, he he set it up here early on to get the offense stabilized. They got one of the best offensive lines in football. We know they got Josh Jacobs, a running back. They got a damn good receiving core, and they probably got the third best tight end in all of football behind Kittle and, and Kelsey. So with that, they don't need to do much on that side of the ball. You're right. It's about the personnel to me on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I, you know, Paul Gunther, okay, yeah, he's not, you know, He's not, you know, uh, Rex Ryan, or not Rex Ryan. Who's his dad? I was going to say his dad, and I'm blanking on his name. Who's Rex Ryan's dad? Uh, the, Buddy, Buddy Ryan. Ryan. Damn. Buddy. I mean, he only beat the crap out of my dad Football my whole historian. life. Uh, Football historian. Football historian yeah. knows all history yeah. except his own and Buddy Ryan. <laughs> yes, exactly. Those are the two exceptions. But, but either way, no, I think the point is what you made. The talent there is not good enough no matter who the coach is. And they did. I think Mayock and Gruden, they worked on the offense, and now it's got to be an offseason of we got to spend money, resources on making this defense better. Not that it has to be the best in football, but it's certainly if it can get to the middle part of football, round 15 or 16, then I would go, okay, watch out for the Raiders. They're going to be in the playoffs, and they might be a pain in the butt. Yeah, look, this is a team that has – this feel, this vibe of gradual improvement. They still haven't been to the playoffs three straight years since Gruden has returned. And as I said, and I stand by it, any other coach would have been on the hot seat. Any other coach would be on a blazing hot seat going into this season. Gruden, hey, he's just he's just in year four of year 10, which could end up being year 15 because Mark Davis does not seem inclined to do anything about it. And that's fine. It's great work if you can get it. But the reality is, at some point, they got to be on a trajectory that takes them to the postseason with seven of those spots now in the AFC, or this Gruden return to the NFL gets deemed a failure. This is a and huge through year. Three, th- through three years, it's a failure. Uh, it's pass-fail. Playoffs or not, it's pass-fail. And that F gets bigger when you have seven spots in each conference. And, yeah, I think this is huge. If he goes 0-4 with the Raiders getting to the postseason – when he had a team that was just in the playoffs a year before he got there, that, that is a huge indictment of John Gruden's current coaching skills. And he may not like hearing that, but it's the truth. Well, I think he went into the job and probably sold the ownership that, listen, we're going to do. He didn't have to sell anything. Well, he didn't have to they sell want, anything. He, was, he had the job. They had him at hello before well, hello. I, and I get that. Job. Listen, hey, we, we talk about the Raiders a lot. John Gruden is a, a lightning rod of a subject. I mean, the Raiders are more relevant with John Gruden at, 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 at coach. There's no doubt about that, certainly. You know, they, unfortunately, you know, Antonio Brown went, you know, kind of crazy on them there. That ruined some of their plans to a degree. All right. 
uh, the Khalil Mack issue and lack of cash and being able to spend him forced them to trade you know their best defensive player to a degree. So uh, I think that Mark Davis and John Gruden at least sold to him after he got the job that, listen, if you want me to do this, I got to build this my way, and it might take two or three years. You know, we're seeing a lot of coaches demand those six-year contracts and all that. Well, he's a Super Bowl-winning quarterback that, I mean, coach that, you know, has history there, and they gave him 10 years. But to you, to what you're saying, it is a huge year, and this is the year you go, year four in the NFL, okay, you know, you've done some good things, but now it's time to produce like you're talking about and if he doesn't get to the playoffs, uh, his his butt will be, I think, extremely hot. I think the six-year contract has become the anti-dysfunction movement by a team. I hear to, you, right? To, to just to, you know, hey, I need to give you six years. You want six years because we've had this revolving door. This is our way to prove to you, to everyone else, and to ourselves that we're not going to fire you after two or three. The 10-year deal for John Gruden was different. That was a Vegas move. That was a, we finally got John Gruden back. I've wanted him for years. I got him back, and I'm committing to him for 10 years, even though I don't believe the full 10 years is guaranteed. And I think once he gets past year five, to the extent that Mark Davis would be inclined to apply that hot seat, it, it would be easier to get away from some of that money on the back end. It was explained to me when the deal was done. It's not a firm 10-year, $100 million commitment with full guarantees all the way through but uh at some point at some point mark davis has to ask himself is this where we want to be and it may just be look it hey every team says we want to win the super bowl the reality is you win at the box office you win on the balance sheet and having john gruden with the raiders you know they, they went through a lot of lean ugly years uh where they weren't winning and they weren't relevant now, regardless of whether or not they make it to the playoffs, they're relevant every year. Yes. They're interesting every right. year. John Gruden brings that that appeal to the team that is independent of wins and losses. And, you know, fans don't like to hear this. They get caught up in wins and losses in the pursuit of a championship, but this is ultimately an entertainment business, and you need to be entertaining. And the Raiders are entertaining. They, they are. may not be a playoff team, but they're entertaining. Uh, yeah, they are. There's no doubt. Uh, but th this is where, you know, I'll, I'm going to vouch for my old head coach here. Trust me. He's going crazy. He wants to be in the playoffs. He wants to win a Super Bowl. He he is not there just to make a show and sell tickets. And, you know, I don't know Mike Mayock real well, but I know him enough to know, you know, he's doing all he can, too. He's he's a real worker, a real football guy. They're trying to do this the right way. And added on to that, I'm going to make one more thing where, hey, they got Gus Bradley as their defensive coordinator. I think that's going to imp improve their football team. I really do. Gus was in Tampa with John and I back in those days. He's one of the better defensive minds in football. And I think that's going to make them better just off the bat, right off the bat, right there to have him on that side of the ball, certainly. But yes, as we talked about, they need help on that side of the ball. And that's where Mayock and Gruden are going to have to help out Gus Bradley a little bit just to give him a little talent to make his defense really go. Well, if there is fairness and consistency in the NFL, the Raiders and Mayock will have one fewer draft pick as a result of John Gruden's open flirtation with Richard Sherman, that blatant example of tampering from a few weeks what ago. Did he, he what did he, you, you are just away. at him. What did you, what did he, what did he do to you? What did, did he, nothing. Oh, nothing. Okay. I don't know. I thought maybe, did you he, know, I, 
Did he beat I, you up I, at the last owners meeting or something? What happened? <laughs> no, I he no. Uh, uh, I I feel like the guys that hate me the most are the guys that I am the most like. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, I do too. Snarky comment, right? paste, paste comment. I, I, comment. Whether it's Gruden, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, right, right. And 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 I'm that kid yelling, "You're a free agent! You're a free agent! You're about to be poor! You're about to be poor!" That's me. But at the end of the day, I think I think we're 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 exactly alike, and oh. I think that drives them crazy. I don't disagree because I, I can see through them. I, I know what makes them tick. There's definitely some things there that are very similar. There's no doubt about it. That's why I laugh and joke about it. Certainly, and. Uh, hey, but I'll say this: yeah. I have been to a playoff game in the last three years. Oh, you're such a jerk! Yeah, you're <laughs> such a jerk. You know, yeah, he's 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 great. He's he's gotten Derek Carr wired. Derek Carr played phenomenal football last year. Listen, is he a superstar? No, but Derek Carr played really well last year. They got that offense in place. He really is. But you know what he'd say to you? One of the things he first said to me, you know, when I used to, you know, mess up those plays you see on social media where I'd just be like, oh, careful, oh, careful. Oh, Self-edit yourself. Not, I am. I don't, it's not no four-letter words or anything. You know, when, when I would mess up, you know, West, right, F, left, 372, Y, stick, Z spot. And, you know, he'd test me in the, in the meetings in front of people. Hey, Sim, spit it out. You know, West, right, slot, 72, Z, bingo, you split. Canon 58, Lexus. And I'd be, oh, blah, blah, blah. and he'd go, ah, oh, you know, Sims. You know, and his eye, I can't do that eye thing. You know, you know what you're like? You're like warm pee running down my leg. You know, yeah, that was on the first thing he said. That wasn't that bad. It's 2021, warm pee down your leg. That's what he said. <laughs> uh, so I, that is one area where he and I are definitely not alike. <laughs> I cannot say that any time since I exited diapers, I have... Uh, experience that sensation. Let's take a break. AFC West Word Association when PFT Live continues right now. There is the AFC West, how it finished last year, where the cap number stands for 2021. The Chiefs are going to have to do some work. The Broncos and the Chargers in good shape. Chris, I'll tell you, it's a, it's one of the best divisions top to bottom. It if is. The Broncos right. can, can get a better quarterback. That may compete with the NFC West as the best division in football. It, it certainly has the potential. I mean, you know, I think we'd both agree the Chargers were a better team than their record showed last year. You know, they, they found ways to mess it up, uh, you know, re religiously on a weekly basic basis. So I look at them to be, yeah, much better than what their record shows. Brandon Staley certainly going to give them some juice. And yeah, the Broncos, you're right, Mike. I mean, you look at the roster and you just go – you know, yeah, they need some young guys to help them out and come through a little bit, maybe a corner, a few cover guys and all of that, and the quarterback thing. That's the big thing. They're, they're, they're in that Deshaun Watson conversation. Would they be in the Russell Wilson conversation? If not, then they just have to have Drew Locke play better football to where they can trust him, you know, in, in big games and big moments. All right, let's let's start with uh, Drew Locke, word association. Broncos reportedly looking for a top-tier quarterback. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear that? Well, I, I do think of Deshaun Watson, or I, I, I do. I guess that's the first thing I think of. Like, I love Drew Locke's talent, as we talked about a little yesterday. You know, there, there is things where you go, ooh, 
man, that's really good. But it was just too loose, too gunslinger, too I'm aggressive and going to throw the ball down the field too many times to where it hurt their offense, it hurt their football team. He's got to learn to rein it in and play the position the right way. Um, so that is a big question mark. And I can understand it's Vic Fangio. Now he's going into year three and he's looking at it going, wait, but my, 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 my seat's going to be hot here if we don't get this quarterback situation figured out. And do I really want to roll the dice with Drew Locke? And if I'm Vic Fangio, I'm a little nervous about that too. I understand that. So yeah, they're going to exhaust all options there, I would think to see if they can't find somebody that's at least more reliable from that standpoint. And again, they have some young weapons on the outside. Let's not forget, Cortland Sutton was hurt last year. I would say he was he's their best receiver. You know, Jerry Judy was a little underwhelming, as we know. K.J. Hamler, the second-round pick out of Penn State, was awesome. They got good tight ends. I mean, there's a lot of things to like about that team, but they got to figure out that position. For me, anytime I see that the Broncos are looking for a better quarterback, the, the word that comes to mind, the name that comes to mind is Brock Osweiler. They are still stuck in that morass that popped up in 2016 when they made him the starter, right? Uh, uh, wait, yeah, he was the starter was for – wait, they lost oh, him. No, 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 they lost him. They, in 2015, he was partially the starter. Right. They lost him to Houston. They've been floundering ever since to find a quarterback, and it's been a mess for the Denver Broncos. They've had multiple losing seasons now, at least three if not four, and I just feel like that was the moment where it all went haywire when they didn't keep him, not that he would have been the answer, but that to me is the, the, the embodiment of the problem that they now have. And uh, I, I feel like they can't get out of that mess. And they, they weren't interested in Carson Wentz. They are interested in Deshaun Watson. I'll be interested to see if George Payton, who was with the Vikings for many years, tries to get Kirk Cousins away from Minnesota. I don't think he'll try, and I don't think they'll let him go. But that's just my, my thought. I, they, they need a franchise quarterback, uh, and they keep trying and failing to get one. Von Miller's future in Denver. Ooh, like iffy. That's the word that comes to my head. Real iffy. I, I mean – he's he's going to make $22 million, I believe, is his cap hit, right? Basically, the dead money is very low. And uh, I, I would think that's got to be thought you know, long and hard. Or at least you go to him and there's got to be maybe a restructuring of the contract if he wants to stay there in Denver, right? Uh, I don't know where that goes right now, but I would think that he might be in trouble of you know being cut and, and maybe being on another team next year. I, I think it's it's more than iffy. I think it's over. I think it's done. You New think general it's over. manager. Yeah. And and I think that, that when he signed that contract several years ago, he knew he wasn't going to finish it. He knew at some point they were going to tear it up. This is the last year of that contract with an $18 million salary. Now, it could be that the Broncos would still pay him more than anyone else would pay him, but sometimes guys, just as a matter of principle, I don't want to take less than what I was supposed to get, and I'll take the opportunity to go join one of these super teams, maybe the Chiefs, maybe the Buccaneers, maybe the Seahawks, maybe the Packers. I can see Von Miller trying to chase a second ring somewhere else. Justin Herbert's rookie year. Superstar. Uh, superstar. Uh, you heard me at the end of the year. I was going like, hey, Chargers, go all in on Justin Herbert. Start the arms race. Let's go against Patrick Mahomes and see who can throw more lasers down the field. I, he's... He's special. There's no other way to say it. You know, composed, unbelievable thrower of the football, very good decision maker, especially for a rookie quarterback, you know, and then can make plays outside of the pocket 
And here's the other thing. You know, I talk about size is a skill. And for Justin Herbert, size is a skill. My dad always says, he always say, he has this phrase where he goes, he's one of, uh, like a Brady, he goes, uh, Peyton Manning, Herbert. He goes, Herbert can throw over the offense and defensive line. He can be in the pocket and the pocket collapsing and you can't step into the throw. And he's such a big human being that he can just be like, and still throw it 40 yards down the field. And it doesn't matter that he didn't step into it or he's got people around him. He's a really, really special talent. And uh, I hope they can protect him this year a little bit. And I hope Joe Lombardi, of course, from the Saints, you know, I'm expecting big things from him uh, to help that offense out. You want to know my word association, Justin Herbert's rookie year? What is that? Dr. Needle. Dr. Needle? Because that's how he got on the field. That was the, the term <laughs> you right, used when we broke down the whole <laughs> right. Tyrod Taylor. I forgot that. And the, and the injection that went bad. Right. And Justin Herbert found out five minutes literally before the game that he was going to make his NFL debut. And he checked every box. He passed every test to the point where, sorry, Bengals fans, I'm saying it. You should have taken the deal with the Dolphins and taken Herbert at five. You'd be better off with all those extra picks and Herbert at five. Oh, and Dolphins, you should have taken Herbert at five, too. That's that's another story altogether. All right. um, Chargers performance in close games. Last one. Chargers? uh, I mean, mean, mind blow emoji? I mean, that's what comes to my head. Just the management, the special teams, you know, lack of calling timeouts. All of it. It was an absolute disaster. It doesn't make sense, their record. When you have a top 10 defense and a top 10 offense, that tells you something was seriously wrong with how the game was actually played on the field. That should not be that way. You shouldn't have a top 10 in each category, and then your team is, what, 5-11. and 11. Yeah. For me, it's uh, Chargers performance in close games, Lions offensive coordinator, Anthony Lynn, because that's what happened. That's that he's the one that it all flowed back to. He got fired and now he's working with the guy who was the other LA quarterback last year, Jared Goff in Detroit. All right, let's take a break. When we return, we're going to do a draft based on the ideal landing spots for Cam Newton. We'll do that when PFT live continues right after this. What other options did I have? You, you, I think you had an option. You, you, you're, you're Cam Newton. You're Superman. But I intimidate a lot of people. I and honestly, I intimidated the franchise that I was in. Is there a chance you go back to New England? There's always a chance for everything. Y'all talking? I can't say that. You're on a one-year one year deal. Would you go back? Yes. Hell yes. Cam, Cam with the uh, the cigar there as well. I hadn't noticed that earlier. Uh, I, I I like that. I like that aspect. Not that I I condone excessive cigar smoking, but I just kind of like that look with Cam with the cigar, and he just always. Just, I I'm a big Cam Newton fan and always have been. So I'm glad we're doing this draft today because we get to pick the next destination, and he would look very good. In purple, that's all I'm saying for now. Do you have a question for me, or are we going straight to the draft? Oh, no, we're going question here. Uh, what what right. yard line did Drew Pearson catch that Hail Mary that beat your Vikings what in on? What the hell? That's what the four. The four, eh, it was wrong. Five. It was the five. Oh. Matt, some Vikings fan you are. 
Good. You were going to be wrong it. no I matter what. It. If you said the five, I would have said the four. I was going to get the first pick either Go way. Ahead. All right. Take the pick. Thanks. Washington football team. Hello. That's where I. That's that would be my first one. You know. Again, I don't. I. I. I think Ron Rivera has great respect for Cam Newton. I do. He's got an offensive coordinator there that knows Cam Newton as well. They got a good offensive line. They got a guy like Terry McLaurin who, okay, now you're worried about the running back and Antonio Gibson and Cam Newton's ability to run the ball. You know, behind what I think Brandon Scherf will be back there, maybe free agent tag possibility guy there. Um, do that with the guy, the speed on the outside like McLaurin. That, that's the kind of combination he needs. That's when it becomes tough to defend a guy like Cam Newton, let alone there's history and they know how to play around him. So that's going to be my first choice. I just can't help but wonder whether or not Ron Rivera is exhausted by the nine sure. years with Cam Newton, right. and and that you know, just like Newton said in that clip we played, the the Patri the Panthers, excuse me, were intimidated by him. Marty Herney was the GM in Carolina, and now is the the not GM but executive VP of football operations or whatever the title is in Washington. I just think that sometimes that long history together makes it not advisable to get together again. My first pick is one that I hadn't even thought of until we talked about it earlier. Pittsburgh Steelers. Because if you're going to pay Ben Roethlisberger $19 million, I'd give that $19 million to Cam Newton instead. Go ahead and take the $22 million cap charge that goes with Ben Roethlisberger being cut or retiring, however they want to word it. But I think dollar for dollar right now, sorry, Ben, but right now dollar for dollar Cam Newton is the better option. Mason Rudolph, see you later. Dwayne Haskins, you're going to get an education in how to play quarterback in the NFL by watching Cam Newton, by listening to Cam Newton, by seeing how he handles his business. That's going to be Dwayne Haskins' best chance to develop into the best quarterback he can be. They may not be able to pull it off from a cap standpoint, but if they're thinking about giving Ben Roethlisberger $19 million, Give that nineteen million to Cam Newton instead, Chris. There, there's some positives there. There's no doubt. I, I do think it's you know an intriguing conversation, uh, nonetheless. And and you know I just want to say something off about what you said about like the Washington thing too, uh, because you're right. I mean, and you know Cam's right. We've talked about it during the year. I mean, Cam's not the kind of guy that teams want to bring in as a backup because he's going to make you you know a lot of these starters look like, whoa, you're not that special. But I will say I got to think. You know, if you're Washington, you know, you're going to get a little bit of a different Cam Newton than you had in Carolina. He's going to be a little humbled. He's not going to be the king of the ship like he was in Carolina. He was the franchise. You know, he still is the best player, best name, face, whatever, in the history of that organization. So, you know, I think you are going to get that, let alone he went into New England and showed, like, you know, another side that we hadn't at least heard about that he's, you know, he'll grind. He was there to 11 o'clock every night. He was the first in the building, all of those type of things. So I do think you could be getting a different Cam Newton. And that's why I'm going to go back to the New England for my second pick. I am. I mean, you know, one, of course, they don't have a lot of options right now. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, it seems like they're certainly calling around the league and trying to figure out what to do. But where I still think it can make sense is, hey, we, we talked about some of the road bumps he hit during the year last year with COVID and all of that, not having an offseason to really understand the offense, which is the most complicated offense in all of football for my money, and they didn't have talent around him. But what they do have is maybe the best run-blocking offensive line in football, and 
that's where they're special and that's where he works. And then they have a ton of money to where, gosh, I got to think they get some marquee receivers or some guys who can make some plays that way this year too. So I'm going to go New England as my second pick. Uh, and for me, again, just looking at places where he would be an upgrade and have an opportunity to pursue a championship that he's yet to win, I like the 49ers. Mm. And I know that that, that, that that there is a certain amount of a robotic quality that the quarterbacks in the Kyle Shanahan offense have to have. But if they could find a way to work together, Cam Newton is clearly better than Jimmy Garoppolo. The $25 million that they're due to pay Garoppolo this year, you don't have to give Cam Newton all of it. You could use some of that money elsewhere. Minimal cap hit to move on from, from Garoppolo. Cam Newton gets to go back to, and you know he may not like playing at Santa Clara because that's where he lost a Super Bowl, but at least every game you play there is a chance at redeeming yourself on that field. I just think where the 49ers are, I just they're a dynamic quarterback away from being a Super Bowl winner, not just a Super Bowl participant. And you get all these guys back who were injured, you get them healthy, you get a healthy Cam Newton, you get them for a, an affordable price. You, you, They clearly have the running game that he would fit into very well. They could be very dangerous with Cam Newton. I, I certainly think Shanahan can make it work, no doubt. Again, it's a little bit like we just talked about with Washington and all that. Shanahan has the formula in the system to make a Cam Newton work. You know, all the running – you know, the play actions, the 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 fake the speed sweeps, toss it to Debo Samuel, do all of that. Oh, now he fakes it to Debo Samuel and he drops back and Brandon Ayuk's running down the middle on a 50-yard post. Like, he would certainly fit with what they'd want to do. There's no doubt about that. So I, I, I don't think that's crazy. I kind of I – like, I like that. I wouldn't mind seeing that. My last pick, I'm going to go Bears. Uh, the Bears, okay. The Bears, um, first off, nothing special there. All right. If they're going to try to play football the way they played at the end of the year, where they did try to run the football and get underneath the center and bootlegs and play actions, yes, Cam Newton can do that, let alone their defense is pretty damn big time. It is. It's still a really good defense. You know, their biggest problem on defense, I think it's statistically better than what it was ranked last year, too, because the offense always put it in just horrible positions to where, hey, the dam's going to break eventually if there's too much pressure on it. So I look at that to go, what are your options? And you don't have that guy there. You know, he is a guy that I think can go into Chicago and he's not going to be intimidated by the fan base or, you know, the, the oh, lack of Chicago quarterback, great quarterbacks. He's going to be able to throw it through that wind and, and winter, you know, winter, cold, fall days and all that. So that'll be my last one. Last one for me, and I'm really struggling here because there's a couple of different options I'm intrigued by. If yeah. the Texans would trade Deshaun Watson, uh -huh. if the Seahawks would trade Russell Wilson, isn't Cam Newton a pretty intriguing replacement for Russell Wilson with the Seattle Seahawks? But I'm going to go Denver Broncos, team that's clearly looking to upgrade at the quarterback position, the team that beat Cam Newton in the Super Bowl, the team that has the weapons to get the most out of Cam Newton I, I kind of like the idea of Cam Newton in a Denver Broncos uniform, especially given that they have that shared history in Super Bowl 50. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think that's crazy either. It's a little bit like that Bear situation. There's just not a guy there, you know, and uh, he certainly gives locker rooms and organizations confidence. You know, the, the big thing with Cam, uh, just to talk about him a little as a player, because, I mean, I'm with you. The, the the Broncos are certainly one of those teams. Houston, you said. Eagles are another team I threw on my list. He's got he's to gotta fix some of the mechanical issues that we saw him really give him issues last year. 
And, you know, I know I've talked about it with you a little bit, but when he gets that front shoulder hiked up and he just tries to throw it with all his might and power and there's no flow or rhythm to the motion, that's when you see those issues. And that's something that these teams got to make sure they really stay on him or at least realize he's in a good spot before they sign him to know he's trying to kind of hash out those issues. Over under on when he signs his contract, April 20. What are you taking? I'm going to go over. I I don't think it'll be I don't I'm going to say it's after. After April 20. Yes. I'll I'll say under. I'll say we know we'll know by April 20 where he's going to play. But last year all the way until late June, the pandemic effect that I, I think the way he played last year and maybe a, a better way to check him out physically before then. I think he's going to have a job before April 20. All right, let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFC Live. Right Interesting little story coming out of Indianapolis. Michael Pittman, who has number 11 for the Colts, says he won't give it up for quarterback Carson Wentz. Now, maybe this is just a negotiating ploy, but Chris, whatever happened to the team is in charge of the numbers, and if the team wants to take back number 11 from a guy who's got one year in the NFL, it can. Well, I mean, they can do that. They can put that pressure on them. Now, listen, usually deals go down between the players. You know, I was there where... You know, in Tampa once, Cadillac Williams, he got drafted. He wanted to be 24. He had to pay a steep little price check to, to Tory Cox at the time to get that number to do that. But what I would say and where, like, I think Wentz is right here. First off, you know, Michael Pittman, he likes that number and you don't want to mess with him, you know, and his dad will beat you up too. But, but um, you don't want to come in to do, and do that. I mean, you already have enough bad rumors about you in the locker room. Let's not force the number issue on people and all that. That would be my advice, at least. Pick a new number. I agree. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Have a great day. See ya.